Central Park, New York City right now. And can you just begin to raise your voice? If you do not know what to pray, just pray, God, pray for a burden. Pray for a unique burden to come upon people right now. Lord, I ask of your hands and in this church, your God, as we begin to lift up New York City, oh Lord, and every other city in this wonderful nation of America, I pray, oh God, that you begin to quicken our hearts, quicken our minds, oh God. I pray, oh God, that we will be ready for the harvest, oh God. The harvest is already plenteous. The people are already crying out for you, oh Lord. And I pray, oh God, that you will raise us up, O oh Lord. Not all of us are called to go, but some of us are just merely called to pray. Pray in support. Pray in burden, O oh God. And I pray, O oh Lord, right now that you will do a mighty work even in First Pentecostal Church, Lexington. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can we praise Him one more time? Can we begin to exalt the Lord one more time? He is so worthy, so worthy, so worthy. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You may be seated. I was on the phone with my pastor about, about two hours ago. And uh, I told him I was going to be, be preaching one of his messages before I left uh, Louisiana. He gave me a bunch of his notes and said, Marshall, preach these notes. I said, I'll do that. Um, and, 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 and so this, 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 this afternoon, I told him I'm going to be preaching his message so he came on the phone and he said, you know what, we're going to be praying for FPC. Right now, church, you are being prayed for by other churches. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? And for those that know the great 95-year-old Vesta Mangan, she came on the phone and she started speaking in tongues and she started praying over, over your church which is amazing. And if you do not know her, she's just an amazing woman. 95 years old and teaching Sunday school till today. 95 years old. You can't keep her quiet. You can't. <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I want to preach a message called Remember Lot's Wife. Remember Lot's Wife. It's 7 o'clock. Give me a few minutes. If there was another title for this message, I would call it Don't Look Back. Another, another possible message, uh, title for this message is, you do not want to be wrapped up in Sodom. Because it seems like as if, it seems like as if Lot did that. You don't want to pitch your tent in Sodom. The setting is found in Matthew 17, 26. And Spencer, if you don't mind, help me with the, with the PowerPoint, all right? Um, uh, Luke 17, 26. Jesus is on the verge of getting into Jerusalem. And he's right now in the midst of Galilee. And he's in the midst of uh, coming into Jerusalem. And uh, he's just healed 10 lepers. One of them got whole, as the Bible records. And then as all of this miracle was happening... The Pharisees came to him and began to question him. And in Luke 17, the Pharisees, verses 20, asked the question, What is the time of the kingdom of God? And Jesus began to explain this. Listen to this, right? In verses 26, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also. As in the days of the Son of Man. He's, he's comparing what all that happened in the days of Noah, and that's exactly what's going to be happening in our day. It's called the days of the sons of men. 27, they ate, 
They drank. They married wives. They were given into marriage. He was not against marriages. He was for marriages. But what he was saying was, there will come a time, which is where we are right now, where people will become so, so easily into relationships that they will marry wives, that they will be given into marriages. But listen to this. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It's interesting that the flood came in the days of Noah. And for those that study eschatology, prophecy, you will know that it was speaking of a time that is where we are right now. It's about to happen. It's known as the pre-rapture scripture. We are about to experience the appearing of the Lord. And then Jesus related it to the days of Noah. But he goes on. He says, 28, likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. Just now it was the days of Noah. Now it's the days of Lot. That they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. In the study of eschatology, this is not pre-rapture anymore. This was in the middle of the, of the great tribulation. And this is when the days of Lot is seen. And just before Jesus comes back, when his feet touches Mount Olives, and Mount Olives will cleave in the left and on the right. And this is where he begins to speak about and the days of Lot. Oh, two different days. Two different times. One was pre-trib and one was just as the Lord was to appear. And then he goes on to say, the same day that Lord went out of Sodom, it rained fire. It wasn't water like the days of Noah. It was fire. Verses 30, even thus shall it be in the day when the sons of man, son of man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the the house stop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. And then three powerful words. Remember Lot's wife. Many a times we speak about Lot. And who is Lot? Lot was the, was the nephew of uh, the great Abraham. Abraham was a mighty man. Abraham was a powerful individual. He was the one who started off the Jewish race. When you study the history of how he was called, the voice of God spoke to Abraham. And he, upon him coming to revelation of who Jehovah, the God of God was, he began to become a preacher of righteousness. Abraham was called a friend of God. And it was amazing to see how he imputed righteousness into his family. And this is how you have Lot. Lot came from a family that loved God. His uncle Abraham was one that prayed for him. But it's interesting though, as their wealth grew, the Bible records that Abraham had to separate himself from Lot. Because you couldn't have two mighty men. Lot was, had become very powerful. And their workers started, started berating one another. They started fighting with one another. 
And so the Bible records that it was time for them to separate themselves. You can go back home and read Genesis 13 and it will tell you what all that happened. But I'm speaking of Lot's wife today. You know, husband and wife, they work together. The history tells me that, that they chose willingly, in their own violation, they chose to go to Sodom and Gomorrah. Knowing the fact that Sodom and Gomorrah was wicked. Abraham didn't choose to go to Sodom. The choice was given. You can choose whatever land you want. We will have to separate because of our wealth. But go where, where you feel to go. And whatever you choose, if you take the left, I will take the right. And if you take the right, I will take the left. The Bible records that Lot looked, and this is before the fires came down on Sodom and Gomorrah. He looked and he saw Sodom and he said, wow, this is a beautiful plain. This is what I want to go. But I want to talk to you about Lot's wife though. I'm asking questions today. Who chose to go to Sodom and Gomorrah? Was it you, Lot? Also, was it your wife? You see, we are living in a time where there's just so much going on. When Jesus spoke in Luke 17, he was actually speaking of our day. He was preparing us 2,000 years ago when he spoke these words, as in the days of Noah, as in the days of Lot. Folks, as we sit here in this beautiful church, I want to tell you that there's something happening in the air. And there is wickedness that seems to be abounding. But you and I, we have been called to enter into the ark. Into the ark of salvation. You and I have been called, not only us, our family. For salvation is unto us and to our household. Amen. We are living in a time where the Lord is about to come. Jesus knew his time was short. You and I, our time is short. He had a mandate. You have a mandate today. And we've got to prepare people for salvation. Why? Because there is a fire that is coming upon this earth. I'm talking about eternity. I'm also talking about relationship. Remember Lord's wife. And I want to describe the condition of the last days. Because we are living in a time where people don't seem to be fearful of God. 2 Peter 3.10 speaks of the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works therein shall be burnt up. But listen to this in verses 11. The great Peter is telling you and I, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversations and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of our God. The heavens being on fire shall be dissolved. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. But in verses 13, Nevertheless, we according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that we look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of Him in peace without spot and blameless. You and I today are being tormented 
our lives are being tormented in so many ways. And uh, we are living in, in, in the season of spring and all of a sudden you begin to see people begin to show themselves even more. And it seems like as if from TV advertisements, if you watch TV, or from cinemas, if you go to cinemas, it seems like as if, and if you, if you walk around the streets of, of even Lexington or Jackson or wherever you go to, you will begin to see that people are beginning to bear themselves even more. It seems like as if this is a lifestyle that you and I are, are living in. But folks, not you, not me. We are called of God. We are a holy people. We are a holy generation. This is not the day to look back. This is not the day to backslide. This is not the day to give up, to throw in the towel. This is not the day to even excuse yourself from church services. It's not a good time to become lukewarm. You've got to keep your lambs trimmed and burning. When you read Matthew 25, there's a story of ten virgins and five of them, the Bible records, were foolish. The word virgins were basically means people that have kept themselves. That is us. We're the church. We have kept ourselves. And yet the Bible records that there were five that were wise and five that were foolish. By percentage, we're talking about 50% are basically foolish, foolish virgins. I'm talking about Lot's wife. Let's call her Mrs. Lot for the next few minutes, all right? Because she was not given a name. Mrs. Lot. We don't read much about you. However, there were many warnings before the swift judgment that came upon Sodom and Gomorrah. You were married to a believer Lot, your husband, was really thought well by his uncle. And yet, somewhere along the way, Lot, you cut yourself off from your uncle. And you pursued earthly prosperity. Not that you needed that because you were very, very wealthy. And yet, there was a hunger for earthly prosperity. And then, that led you into a backslidden condition. Some questions, was Lot's wife behind that move? Was that further separation from Abraham her idea? They chose to live in the most wicked city of their day. They did not even need to move to make a living because they were already prosperous. Genesis 13, 5 and 6 will tell you that. But somewhere along the way, the love of the world took them to Sodom and Gomorrah. The bright lights, the glamorous city. And so what happened? They journeyed into a place they shouldn't have. Pastor Mangan, the 95-year-old amazing woman, preached a message many years ago called the deception of the gradual. The deception of the gradual. Piece by piece. Little by little. And before you know it, Jesus is out of the door. You know, when you re read uh, Genesis, uh, uh, Revelations, Revelations chapter 3, it speaks of the ages of the churches. And we are right now living in the last day church. And the last day church speaks of Jesus actually knocking on the door. And you read this in Revelations 3.20. Knocking on the door, trying to get into the church service. And we don't want to be in that place. And I'm asking questions like, Jesus, how is it that you are outside of that door? The response would be, oh, they gradually got me out. 
that I was out trying to get in into the church service. Let us not be in that disposition. Genesis 13 verses 10 through 13. Why, Lord, why did you choose Sodom and Gomorrah? Verses 10, and Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan and it was well watered where before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of the Lord. So if you study the history of Eden, the garden of Eden, the garden of Eden was beautiful. And the garden of Eden was likened with Sodom and Gomorrah. So the beauty of Sodom and Gomorrah was likened as if the Garden of Eden. He looked and he began to say, oh, now that you've given me a choice, Abraham, I'm choosing the plains over the Jordan. Like the land of Egypt as thou come unto Zohar, Levin. Then, then, the, then Lord chose him all the plain of Jordan and Lord journeyed east and they separated themselves from one to another. Abraham dwelt in Canaan, Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and he, and this is sad, he pitched his tent towards Sodom. His eyes were planned for Sodom. Everything that he had intended was heading towards Sodom. But verses 13 says, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Abraham knew it. Lot knew it. We're living in that time right now. There's just so much that seems to be going on. And it seems like as if you're not careful, you might be carried away yourself. Church, I've come with great news. I've come with news saying the Lord wants to do some great works. Ashley Madison is a website known here in America as the cheating site. It is a site for people who want to have an affair outside of their married life that they will be able to go into the site and become a member. According to their survey, they have got more than 12,000 respondents in the Madison or Ashley Madison site. But listen to this. In COVID, when it was all happening, there is an article written on the 30th September of 2020 by Business Insider, Ashley Madison, a dating site for people to have affairs, saw a 10% dip in membership. But listen to this. People have become increasingly creative and demand for extramarital affair has been climbing. People are back to cheating as normal. I'm reading all of these sentences and going, what? What do you mean people are back to cheating as normal? 12,000 people were surveyed. 53 of them, 53% of them said they had never spent so much time around their spouse that they've decided that they want to seek out extramarital affairs. People are heading towards Sodom. They've got their sights. They're making Clear decisions. Oh, this is what I want to do. I want to get into a relationship outside of my marriage. 
The pandemic hasn't stopped people from cheating. 74% of users said that they will be continuing to have in-person affairs after the pandemic. Listen to all of their decisions that they've made. This is what we are going to do. People have moved their cheating online, swapping excuses for many reasons. I'm busy doing work and they're going out to do more businesses with really being in disguise. When the pandemic making casual travel and even nights out next to impossible, people have gotten creative with their excuses. Ah, when I read that, I felt so troubled because it seems like as if people are just choosing to sin. I thank God that I belong to a church. I thank God that the pulpit... I thank God that you have a pastor and the leadership of this church that is leading you in the ways of righteousness and not in the ways of the Lord. That's the reason you've got to be very careful with who you acquaint yourself with. There's an expression that says, show me your friends and I will tell you who you are. Be careful. Be careful. I just came back from, uh, from Ohio and in Ohio... The statistics, and this is coming from Fox 28 by Elizabeth Fogel Friday. And she writes, according to the FBI statistics, neighborhood gangs now pose 23% greater threats to the community than more notorious gangs known on a national level. In short, the, 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 the most notorious gangs that you have right now are coming from Columbus, Ohio. They estimate up to a quarter of murders in the city are gang-related. The feds call this disturbing trend and they're calling it as domestic terrorism. Folks, what am I talking about? I'm talking about heading and putting your sights towards Sodom. The Bible says we're not of the world. We're not of the world. But be careful though because there is this insidious act of, of, of your enemy, the, the enemy of your soul that's just pulling you. He's pulling you through offenses. He's pulling you through information. And before you know it, you would be taken away. Christian, do not settle. Do not settle. Well, while Lot chose to go towards Sodom, Abraham is recorded one that built altars for his nephew. He was praying that God, you would save my son and his, uh, my, my nephew and his family. That you would protect him, protect him from every evil. Folks, I want to thank you that you are a people that pray. You pray for your family. You pray for yourself. You don't quit praying. You don't quit fasting. Why? Because there are people that are being protected by your prayers. Abraham was a man that prayed. And I'll tell you more than anything else, God does not want anyone lost. The Bible tells me in 2 Peter 3, 9, that the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but He is long-suffering to His word, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. I thank God for the old-fashioned prayer lines. I thank God for the old-fashioned prayer that people do till today. Nothing is going to stop what God 
is doing in these last days. Wickedness seems to be abounding, but grace is going to abound even more. Grace will be seen. And I, I thank God. Pastor, thank you for your great message this morning. Amazing grace. I thank God for the message. The unmerited favor of God. You and I, we don't deserve all that we are able to experience even right now. And yet, God is showing mercy. I'll tell you why. Why you are able to experience mercy? Because there were people that were praying for you. Oh Lord, in all of your successes, your uncle never quit praying for you. Abraham, he was called the father, the father of Judaism, the father of, of, in fact, the Bible tells me and you in Galatians 3 that we could call him father too, father Abraham. Why? Because we are also grafted into, in fact, Christianity is called Judeo-Christians. We are connected to, to Judaism in so many ways. And the Bible records that, you know what? We can call Abraham our father. In Luke 16, Jesus gives a story. It's not a parable because there were names that were given. There were numbers that were given. And in this conversation, we know it was not a parable. In Luke 16, verses 19 through 31. I'm not going to go through the whole scripture. You can go back and read it. But the Bible speaks, Jesus speaking of a rich man that was clothed in purple and fine linen. And he fed sumptuously every day. And outside of his gate was a certain beggar named Lazarus. And he was one that was full of sores. He fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. The dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was buried. And he was carried by the angels. And you'll hear these two words, Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And then you see the words, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. Seeing Abraham afar off, he began to cry out to Abraham, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, Remember that thou in thy lifetime received those good things, Lazarus, those evil things. Now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, there is a gulf between you and us. And there is no way you can come to us, neither can we come to you. Then the rich man began to say, this is real. Can you send Lazarus to my five brothers and tell them that where I am, is real for this is a place of torment abraham said they have moses and the prophets the word moses here is basically the law the law and the prophets let them hear them and he, and he says no father him abraham if the dead would go and they would repent and he says if they did not hear moses if they did not even believe in the prophets neither will they be persuaded that one rose from the dead. Jesus in Luke 16 was basically saying, even if I come back alive, which he did, there would be people that would still look at it as a myth and they would not even believe it. I have had conversations 
in, and one of the reasons why I've started doing this, I left my full-time position to do this, is because I have a call from God to spend time with people and to bring the fear of torment that's coming upon the earth. Because it seems like as if people have lost sight of this word hell. I'm a, I'm a preacher of righteousness. I'll preach the goodness of God. I'll preach hope. I'll preach heaven. I'll preach faith. I'll preach healing. I'll preach the name of Jesus. But I will also prepare people for a place that they do not want to go. The Bible records Sodom and Gomorrah. The word Sodom, and that's how we get the word Sodomites today. The Sodomites are basically people who are very perverse in their thinking. And that's how we get the LGBT community. And I'm not, I'm not here to tear anyone down, but I want to tell you that there is a way of righteousness and then there is a way that will lead you to death. The Bible records two angels when Abraham prayed. Two angels went to Sodom and Gomorrah. And listen to the translation of the Living Bible of Genesis 19. I'm going to read the 11 verses, but listen to this, all right? It's pretty graphic. That evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom, and Lot was sitting there as they arrived. And when he saw them, he stood up to meet them and welcomed them. Sirs, he said, come to my house as my guests for the night. You can get up as early as you like and be on your way again. The angels cried, oh no, thanks. They said, we will stretch out here and along the street. But he was very urgent until at last they went home with him. And as he set a great feast before them, complete with freshly baked unleavened bread after the meal, as they were preparing to retire for the night, the men of the city, yes, sodomites, Young and old from all over the city surrounded Lot's house and shouted to Lot, Bring out those men to us so we can, and it's a harsh word, rape them. Lot stepped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. Please, fellows, he begged, don't do such a wicked thing. Look! And I can't, I, I can't even understand how would you do this, Lord. Look, I have two virgin daughters and I'll surrender them to you to do what as you wish. But leave these men alone for they are under my protection. Stand back, they yelled. Who do you think you are? We let this fellow settle among us and now he tries to tell us what to do? We'll deal with you far worse than with those men. As they lunged at Lot and began breaking down the door, the two men, the angels, reached out and pulled Lot and bolted at the door and temporarily blinded the Sodomites that they will not be able to see. You see, there was an escalation in the degenerate culture of Sodom and Gomorrah. They were indulging in wild activities. Today, they seem to be parading openly. They seem to be flaunting their depravity. They speak boldly on radio, on TV talk shows. Immorality is flaunted. It seems like as if it's become an accepted way of life. And if you're a Christian, and if you live for righteousness, you'll be considered prejudiced. You'll be one that will be spoken of as one known as a hater. 
Do you know that Sodom was mentioned 10 times in Scripture and in every instance, it had a lot to do with the word sexual perversion. Genesis 13, 13, I'm reading this again. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners. The word sinners here is not by default, not by birth. They were sinners simply because of their willful act. They were sinners. They were desiring to do things that were contrary to the ways of God. And they were sinners before the Lord and they were wicked exceedingly. Romans 1.18, it seems like as if it's today. And this was written some, some, some nearly 2,000 years ago. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. How do you hold the truth in unrighteousness? So that they are without excuse. Because when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were they thankful. Became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. As to birds, four-footed beasts, creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness, to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the Creator, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator. For this cause, God gave them up to their vile affections, for even their women did change their natural use into that which was against nature. And likewise also men leaving their natural use of the woman burned in their lust one towards another. Men with men working that which is unseemly. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Reprobateness is something very fearful. Why? Because you will literally lose your ability to understand right and wrong. That's where we are right now. The prophet Isaiah said, Woe is you who say evil as good and good as evil. We are living right now in a lot of reprobateness. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of all evil things. Can you imagine inventing evil things? Disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. And yet, they have pleasure in doing them. Brother Nick, if you can, just help me read Second Thoughts Thessalonians 2, verses 10 and 11, if you don't mind. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should 
believe a lie. You and I, we do not want to be in that place where we are believing a lie. Come on, church. You and I, we have to be people that are shining truth and life. We cannot be like the world. We cannot be like the world. But somewhere along the way, there seems to be this gradual deception that seems to be seeking, seeping into our lives. It's moving into our school system. It's moving into our college system, into our varsities. Philosophies of this world, vain philosophies. And before you know it, you might become as deprived as the world. I want to I remind each one of us, we've got the Holy Ghost. We've got to be full of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not a once upon a time event. It is so important for us to be full of the Holy Ghost in these last days. It's not optional. It's mandatory. It is a must that you are full of the Holy Ghost. In fact, you know what? I would like to open this session up for a little while. Would you like to lift up your hands to the Lord? Would you like to begin to say, God, I want to be full of your Spirit, Lord. Full of your Holy Ghost. Come on, church, for a little while. Let's go into an intercession. Let's go into a time when we begin to lift up our voices. Oh, God. Oh, God. Because we want to see our family saved. We want to see ourselves saved. Our spouses saved. Our children saved. I might sound old. I might sound arcade. But folks, this message is still being preached in these last days. Remember Lot's wife. With all of our dreams that we have. She witnessed all of this. She witnessed what the angel did. The angels did prepared food for the angels, ate with them. That night, they were blessed. The angels blessed them. She saw her husband, the daughters that she had, the sons that she had. She heard the angels warn them of what was going to come to Sodom and Gomorrah. If I were you, Mrs. Lot, I would have left that place that night. But somewhere along the way, you know, Sometimes when we hear a message, it affects us there and there. And then the next day, it doesn't affect us as bad. You know why? Because morning comes, the sun comes out, the business is open, and it seems like as if we are back to normal. I do not want to go back to normal. I do not want to go back to normal. I want to remember what happened. That's why Jesus in Luke 17 was trying to remind us. Remember, Lord's wife. Remember with all of your aspiration, of all of your dreams. Just remember that there is coming a time when the Lord is about to come back for his people. Matthew 25, at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Oh, Second Peter, we read just now, there has to be a hasting inside of us. In Genesis 19, the warning was to take everyone out of that city. The Bible records, and the men, the two angels, said to Lot, Has thou here any besides? Son-in-law. Interesting, one name was mentioned. Son-in-law. And thy sons and thy daughters. And whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So she had this warning. Lord, you had this warning. 
And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-laws, which married his daughters. Folks, you got to be careful who you let your children marry. you got to make sure that they are marrying people that are righteous, that are desiring holiness. Somewhere along the way, Lot, you gave your two daughters to marry men from Sodom. So when you were told to go and speak to them, the Bible records the, these men were not saved. When the fires came down, these men were not seen as the ones that came out from Sodom. They didn't make it. So be careful who you give your children to marry. I'll tell you what. The Bible records. You know what, Brother Nick, help me. Uh, Pastor Nick, 1 Kings 11.4. Listen to this. The story of Solomon, the wisest of all men. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. Ah. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father. Come on. I'm, I'm not against women today. I'm for women. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm reminded of those three powerful words. Remember Lord's wife. Here in the story of Solomon, the wisest of men, the son of David. And yet the Bible records the end of Solomon was not very positive because he was not found in the house of his God. He was taken away in his heart. Started off right, but did not finish strong. I want to make sure that I'm ready for the coming of the Lord. I'm ready for His coming. There's no time to look back. You know, Lot's wife, when the fires came, she looked back. She was instructed not to turn back. In Genesis 19, 17, it came to pass when they brought them from, from abroad. And he said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. The warning was very clear. When you take your wife out from the city of Sodom. Ensure that you do not turn back to see what was going to go on. We know what happened. She turned back and she became a pillar of salt. There is no time to look back. Luke 19, uh, Luke 9, 62. And Jesus said unto them, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul, writing to his young prodigy, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 4.10, the words were very sad. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And if you study the name Demas, Demas left and then he started following the apostles in their ministry. In the beginning, he started off great, but somewhere along the way, the world captivated him even more than the church. Proverbs 26 verses 11. As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. I want to set my heart right. In fact, you know what? I'm going to bring it to a close. Would you like, would you like to stand with me? Would you like to stand with me? I was reading an article and this was uh, published by business leaders uh, October 1st, California governor signs corporate boardroom diversity law. And it's happening in New York as well right now. Hundreds of California-based corporations must have directors, listen to this, must have directors from racial or sexual minorities on their boards under a first-in-the-nation bill signed 
Wednesday, which was in October, by Government Gavin Newsom. A big step forward for racial equality. It is a win-win. What was this article about? The 660 public corporations in California right now have a ruling. By the end of 2021, if you have a board of direct, if you have a board of directors, one of them will have to be under the under pres, underrepresented community. And what does this mean, the underrepresented community? One of your board directors must be a gay or a lesbian or a bisexual or a transgender. This is a ruling that by the end of 2022, if you have a four to nine board members, you will need to have, this is law, two directors under the underrepresented community. And if you have more than nine board members, you will need to have three directors that are underrepresented. The LGBT movement. And if you do not have it, the firms that don't comply would face fines of 100000 for first violation and 300000 for repeated violation. Can you imagine? I'm not here tearing uh, Governor Newsom right now. I'm just, I'm just letting you know what the laws are. That people have become so immune to the fear of God that what seems to be right for them, they would go with it. Church, you are light. You are the people of God. You are not the world. You will not speak like the world. You are a people that are chosen out from the world. You have the Holy Ghost. That's the reason I'm repeating this again. The Holy Ghost has to be strong in you. The Holy Ghost, you have to be full of it. Not full of yourself. Not full of your education. But full of the Spirit of God. You've got to make room in everything you do that God is given priority in your home, priority in your life. Because you will, if you, if you don't do this, you will slowly, slowly slide away. This is a message of hope. This is a message preparing the church. Be careful because all around you, it seems like as if it's becoming the norm. And when you begin to stand for truth, people will look at you and say, oh, you seem sound so old-fashioned. Oh, you dress so different. Oh, you know what? Your hair is different. And then you have all of these haters. But be proud. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 4, blessed are you when people persecute you for my namesake. For that's what they did to the prophets of old. Wow, you can equate yourself to the prophets of old when the world persecutes you and begin to say, how come you're not like us? And you say, you know what? Oh, I just belong to Jesus. I just belong to Jesus. I just love Jesus. Put a smile on your face. You don't have to be arrogant about it. You can just love them. Just love them. You know, in the time of Jesus, when, when, the, when the people... In the church, of course, there was no church in the Old Testament or in the transitional. The church only started off in the book of Acts chapter 2. But, but, but in the time of, of, of Jesus, and when they began to account people that did wrong, they would call them sinners. And you would read this in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. They would be called sinners. 
But Jesus would go in and he would eat with them. He would be with them. He would love them. You know why? Because he would tr- was trying to tell us, we are in this world. We are not of this world. I have the Holy Ghost. So I can be with the people. But the reason I'm with the people is just to let them know, I have salt. My salt has not, has not lost its savor. I have light and my light is set on a hill that everyone is able to see it. Can we pray right now? Can we pray? Go ahead, lift up holy hands to the Lord. Go ahead. Remember Mrs. Lot. And one of my thoughts is, Mrs. Lot, maybe you couldn't see a good representation in Mr. Lot. Maybe you didn't see a good example in your husband. So there is a call for husbands even this evening. And I know that you and I are being challenged. But I'll tell you, husbands, you carry, you carry the weight for your family. You got to be in that place of prayer. Your children have to be seeing you pray. Your children have to be hearing you pray. Enough of prayerless homes. It's time for us to get back into the, into the realm of the Spirit in our homes, into our offices, into our schools. I would like to open the altar right now. And if you feel that you want to come out in the altar and be filled full of the Holy Ghost, I would encourage you to come out. Come out with your families. Come out with your children. And children, you might be in the, in the church and your parents may not be in the church. You can come out and stand in representation for your family and you begin to say, God, I want my family full, full of the Holy Ghost. Why? We are living in the day when fear, somewhere along the way, the, the fear of God seemed to have become absent. Absent in our workplaces, absent in our schools. Absent in our colleges, absent in our conversations. Oh, come on, church. Come on. Let us be the salt. Jesus said, What's the use of salt if the loss has if the salt has lost its savor? What's the use of that salt? It is good to be trodden down underfoot. I do not want to be salt that has lost its favor. I want to make sure I'm full of savor. But you see, somewhere along the way, we are attacked. Our thoughts are attacked. Somewhere along the way, our Christianity is attacked. I know of individuals that have been offended and hurt, and they're dragging themselves. Why? Because they've been hurt. But folks, I want to tell you, my high regards are for those that are living for the Lord of the offense offense will come Jesus said offense will come it is part of these last days the very people you trusted they will let you down but folks I've come here with this hope this message of hope letting you know that you can leave here regardless of what people have done to you you can leave here full of the Holy Let the Holy Ghost flow out of you. Let the Spirit of God flow out of you. That when people come around you, they will know that something has happened to them. You, you are the change agent. You have the 
ability to change to change the situation you have the ability to change people yeah yeah i understand i understand some of us have been have gone through some hardship i understand but if jesus himself went through hardship you and i are not going to be exempted we have no excuse really you have been offended you there's really no excuse for you if you've lost your passion for god this message is for you to get back into your passion get back remember lord's wife get back into your passion don't set your your heights don't set and pitch your tent towards sodom turn the word repent is basically to turn away to turn away your focus to turn away and get back to god remember your first love remember your first love in revelation chapter 2 the message to the church in ephesians in ephesians was this remember your first love get back to your first love get back to the love of god because if you don't that candlestick that keeps you a burning he says i will take it away i don't want the candlestick to be taken away i want to make sure i'm full of oil i make i want to make sure i'm full of the spirit of the lord come on all over this building lift up your voice go ahead and lift up your voice let's talk to the lord let's get back into our personal dedication let's go back to the lord speak to him if your marriages are being affected it's time for you to repair your marriages your children seem to be far off it's time for you to go back to your children some of our parents need to humble themselves go back to your parents ask for forgiveness even to your children let them be able to come back let them be able to come back into the ways of holiness there is a highway of holiness come back to it come back to it god i pray for this church i pray oh god for our people oh lord I thank you oh God for everything that's happening in our peace. I thank you oh God for the great work that you have already begun. Thank you oh God. Thank you oh God for the bishop that came here 50 years ago. For that passion that he's got even till today. I pray oh God that you protect him and cover him oh God that the vision will never die but it will grow. I thank you for Pastor Beecher oh God. I thank you oh God for Sister Beecher oh God. I thank you oh God for the leaders of this church Pastor Nick Kimberly I thank God for Pastor Anthony Pastor Tom I thank God for all of the pastors that are here Oh Pastor Roach God has his hands on the leadership of this 